Welcome to the Professional Plumber Podcast. We hope that these podcasts will bring some insight into who we are and what we do. So while in conversation with the PIRB, sit back, enjoy, and make sure to connect with the PIRB on Facebook or at PIRB.co.za for more. Hey, warm welcome to the audience. My name is Willem Klopper. I'm your host. And in this episode, we're going to have another technical discussion. And uh, with me in studio, again, my guest, uh, Mr. Richard Bailey. Richard, warm welcome to you. Thanks for joining me in this episode. Thanks very much, Willem. Yeah, I'm happy to be here once again. And as always, although it's not so warm here, uh, we're still experiencing the last dregs of winter here in Cape Town, you know, so we're still getting the bits and pieces coming out. But yes, thank you very much. Uh, happy to be here. Before we continue with our conversation, have a listen to this. Introducing the Plumbing Industry Registration Board Company Registration Portal. Now you can register your company to have access to more benefits, including purchasing and allocating certificates of compliance to your PRB-registered employees. Visit www.pirb.co.za to find out more information. Don't forget to download the all-new and improved App Plumber from the Google Play Store. All your plumbing solutions are just a click away, exclusively for Android users. Let's talk about my understanding of backflow prevention. If I hear that, if I picture that, uh, you know, I always say that I think, uh, you know, in pictures. So when I think about backflow and the prevention of, I'm I'm thinking of um, stuff like drain water, the the, the the water that drains from my bathtub or my shower or my basin, for that matter, and 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 that perhaps flowing back into my uh, my plumbing system or alternatively into the pipes where the potable drinking water comes out of. So is that the correct perspective? You, you, you are, you're halfway correct. Um, what we, 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 we're going to talk specifically about backflow prevention within potable water, drinking water systems. So um, although they are situations where you have backflow preventers and, and non-return valves in sewer and waste systems. That's not what we're discussing here. We, we're discussing specifically the need for the prevention of a backwards flowing situation in a domestic potable water supply system. So backflow prevention um, essentially means what it says. It is the prevention of, of uh, a flow which is occurring in the opposite direction to the intended flow. So when something flows backwards, lots of things start to happen, and we'll unpack that as this goes along. So uh, there's, there's, there's um, a numerous situations where, and I'm hoping to sort of make this clear, this is quite a technical, and it's a very broad subject, Willem, this backflow prevention. There are uh, literally dozens of re- References to backflow prevention within the standards. Uh, many, many dozens of references. They, they are circumstances where you should do it. There are installations where you should do it. There are types of things you should do. And we'll get into all of these things. So I'm really going to try to unpack in a very friendly way the concept of backflow prevention without going into too much detail because that'll just be silly. But um, hopefully, by the end of it, there's going to be um, a, an awareness 
that something needs to be done to prevent backflow, and then you can go and go ahead and, and figure that out on a case by case basis. Hope that makes sense. Absolutely. So there's more than one, let's call it situation that requires backflow pre- prevention uh, in, in reticulation system. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, there, there are there are numerous situations that require backflow prevention, but not only that, there are also, and I think I just alluded to it, there are many different types of backflow prevention methods. So there are a number of methodologies that one can employ to actually achieve uh, what you are supposed to be achieving. I always like to use analogies. Um, I remember using it, and it was just an off-the-cuff analogy the other day. I think it was in a podcast with with a Mercedes-Benz uh, <laughs> brake pads. I think it was with regards to ducts and that. And and I like to use analogies. So think mm-hmm. of this as 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 levels of security. So if can if I can liken it to a prison uh, or mm-hmm. or 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 a bunch of prisons, you get maximum security prisons and you get sort of, uh, you know, how's it uh, check in at nine and we see you again tomorrow, you know, that sort of prison. So you get different levels, different types of criminals that require different types of, or different levels of security to secure. Some of the criminals, you don't really mind too much them integrating themselves back into society. Um, and others you want to keep away from society come hell or high water. And this is what backflow prevention, uh, this is sort of the levels, I guess, of backflow prevention as well. It depends on the hazard. It depends on what type of hazard the potable system is going to be uh, uh, exposed to, and that determines the type of backflow prevention that must be employed. How secure How sure must I be that absolutely zero milliliters of this water can enter um, into the potable system? Or, you know, is it just uh, not so nice to have and I can take lesser measures? Um, Obviously, there are... There's, there's cost factors, there are design factors, and these come into play as well. So you can't go Rolls-Royce backflow, backflow prevention for every single thing. It becomes prohibitively expensive. So, yes, there are, there are different uh, um, situations and there are different methodologies. So we're talking about the different types, and, and we were talking about the different types of security needed, and, and we made the analogy of, uh, about prisons and, and the inmates, and that some inmates are, let's call it a higher risk, or more dangerous for that matter than others might be, and therefore they need a higher level of security, and those who are less dangerous pose a, a lesser risk, need a, you know, a lesser uh, level of security or a lower level of security. Could you possibly give me some examples of uh, the different risk levels when it specifically comes to to backflow prevention? Yeah, so so the standards classify, uh, there are three sort of risk levels, and it's very simple. It's medium, well, high, medium, and low. Um, Now, they don't go into an exhaustive list of instances or situations that that are categorized as high risk or medium risk or low risk. They just say to you, there are high risks, there are medium risks, and there are low risks. And based on your determination as to which risk it is, these are the steps you need to follow. These are the methodologies you can employ. So there is one differentiate or one 
uh, well, differentiation made within the standards, though. That which is or which would uh, be toxic for human consumption and could pose a health risk is, is classified as a high risk. And that which is not necessarily toxic or a health challenge but it is unpleasant or it makes the water look funny. Maybe, maybe it looks milky or it tastes funny or it smells funny, but it's not dangerous. That's a low risk. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that is a differentiation that they do make. But again, they don't go into details and, and exhaustively list every possible scenario. I will, um, you know, we'll, we'll unpack that in a, in a while. But the, importantly to know about how to make this decision and how to make this classification is that you need to consult your local authority. Your local authority will, will tell you, no, 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 that's a, um, a photographic uh, studio that you, you're processing film there and that is a big problem. So that's a medium to high risk and this is what you require. So they will, mm. they will guide you, um, which is an important thing to know. You, you are always going to be safest when you have consulted your local authority, told them what you intend to do and ask them about backflow prevention. Right. So I want so, to ask, yeah. just, be, just before we continue, and I, and I know that I may be interrupting you, Richard, but I, I need to just get some clarification here. When you say that um, the, the local authority should be consulted before making decisions, is that the layperson and, and the consumer consulting with the local authority or is that the installer, the plumber, who, who does that? It's both. It's both. I mean, if I, I'm going to set up a business and it's to laundry, I need to, I need to know that, uh, you know, I, I need to be informed in as much as my plumber needs to be informed. Perhaps my plumber isn't informed. He hasn't even crossed his mind. So mm. I need to then be informed as the layperson. So mm. when you are, when you are um, undertaking a hazardous, what is, to, is deemed a hazardous um, activity, um, you, you, the onus would be on you. At the end of the day, the installation belongs to you. So you are the responsible person that needs to make sure that it complies. And one of those things is backflow prevention. And, and, and unfortunately, the, the onus does rest on, on the owner to, to determine whether or not uh, backflow prevention is required and what sort of backflow prevention. And, of course, the details and the design thereof, et cetera, can be fleshed out by the plumber. Um, but, but I would say – in equal measure, both people are responsible, the plumber and the owner, Verlum. And, and again, th- this, isn't, uh, this isn't by any means exhaustive, but just to give you an idea, um, if you're s- supplying water or you have a, a water installation in, in places like mortuaries, abattoirs, uh, sewage treatment plants, uh, refuse treatment uh, or pulverizing works, you know, wineries, uh, harbors, uh, oil refineries, uh, breweries, place where there's yeast, um, cool drink factories, sports fields, etc. Et there's the list can go on and on. Mm-hmm. Now, and and we'll we'll get to. I, I I keep wanting to start this explanation, but I think we'll keep it till the end. And I want to explain how easily backflow can occur. And so we're mm-hmm. talking about these places, you know, abattoirs, mortuaries, this and that. But you're thinking to yourself, well, how? So what? You know, so I'm supplying. So there's a tap inside of a mortuary. Yeah. And 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 so what? How 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 is that a problem? Well, we'll get to that. Mm. Okay, we, we we will get to that, and we I'll, I'll we explain exactly how 
easy it is for backflow to occur and for contamination to occur. Um, other things like, well, activities like, for example, if you're going to uh, have a vet clinic or in, indeed any kind of a, a, a medical treatment facility, such as a, whether it's a clinic or a hospital, of course, they are going to be hazardous and contaminating substances being used there. Um, anything in terms of manufacture, pharmaceutical manufacture, uh, any, I mean, think of a paint manufacturer, think of uh, any kind of chemical manufacturing plant, um, agriculture activities. Hmm. You have many, many contaminants and pollutants coming to direct contact there, laundering, photographic processing. Um, tanneries, etc., hmm. and then there are. There's always going to be a need to prevent cross contamination when you talk about fire installations versus potable water installations. Hmm. So when you have a fire installation in a building, you that that is usually stagnant because it's not used. Yeah. And that is not healthy water to, to be drinking and to be allowing into the potable system. So there, again, in a situation like that, you would also need backflow prevention. You know, as, as you mentioned all of these examples, you know, and, and again, as a layperson, the only thought that comes to my mind is, okay, so you know, you're creating scenarios, but what I'm thinking is, how the heck is this prevented? <laughs> Especially mm, now mm. that you mentioned the fire hydrant and the water that sits in there and it's not used. I mean, how often do we open up the, the, the fire hydrant? Never. It only happens when there's a fire. So for, it can sit there for two, three, four, five, six years that the water is just stagnant in those pipes. Now, Correct. It comes to my mind how, you know, how, how's, that, how's that resolved? Before we continue with our conversation, have a listen to this. Are you a tradesperson or a trading company that is looking for a platform to market your services? Let Articulated speed up the process for you. You can use our podcast to sell your services. Email us for a quote at organizer at articulated.co.za. You can also visit our website at www.articulated.co.za. At Advanced Valves, we produce quality products. Our products are proudly South African and ISO 9001 certified for quality control management. Founded in 1994, we pride ourselves with our range of unique designs and affordable products. Visit your nearest plumbing store and become part of the SA's leading valve brand. You mentioned that differing risk levels require differing backflow prevention methods. We're talking about how things, how prevention can be mm. done. So am I to understand that different methods are more, or some methods are more fail-safe than others? And, and what are some of these different methods? Let's look at how things can be prevented. Yeah, 100%. And, and, I, and I alluded to it a, a minute ago when I said, you know, uh, there are different methods and there's Rolls-Royce versus, you know, the, you need to go Rolls-Royce for this installation and not so Rolls-Royce for the next installation. So, yes, the whole subject of backflow prevention is a little bit big to fully explore in a, in a podcast. But there, you've got to recognize at the very least, both as a layperson and as a plumber, that there are differing levels of, of threat, threat levels, and there are different uh, methodologies to, 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 to prevent those threats. Okay, so a couple of um, 
a couple of examples of of non-return, at least uh, backflow prevention devices, and uh, I, I tried to keep it more or less in 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 ascending order. In other words, first one being sort of least expensive and least effective, uh, all the way up to uh, those methods that we employ for high-risk areas. So a single check valve, a simple non-return valve, what we call a non-return valve, is in fact, and let me just put this out there, it is in fact not considered a backflow prevention device at all. It doesn't come into the into the reckoning of, of any solution for backflow prevention. What it is is just a single check valve. It doesn't, it doesn't fulfill the purpose uh, um, for even the lowest threat level for backflow prevention. So I put it in there just to illustrate a point that this is the simplest way in which to pretend to prevent backwards flow. And the reason it doesn't cut the mustard, so to speak, Willem, is that it, it often misbehaves and, and it just takes a tiny little flaw in it for it to leak. And so it's very unreliable. It works in uh, certain situations where you want to prevent most of the flow, the backwards flow, but it is not a fail-safe option. It, it is very unreliable. So it is not a backflow prevention, but I put it in there just to uh, illustrate a point. Um, things like vacuum breakers, the, you get hose connection vacuum breakers, you get atmospheric type and, and, and pressure type vacuum breakers. We're all familiar with the pressure type vacuum breakers. And in fact, it's very similar to, what, to, to an atmospheric type as well. That vacuum breaker in and of itself is not a backflow prevention device. It is part of what we call an anti-siphon loop. And, mm -hmm. and you have to configure the pipework in such a way so that a, in, in the case of uh, the liquid wanting to flow backwards, a negative pressure is created underneath or at the vacuum breaker, and it then breaks that vacuum. So you've got a, a, a loop. I'm not going to get into technical detail. Suffice it to say that the vacuum breaker is not in and of itself a backflow prevention device. It is part of a loop, and it forms the integral part of an anti-siphon loop. You then get things like uh, brake tanks and air gaps. Now, a brake tank is simply a, an enclosed storage tank mm -hmm. of, of, of X size based on the design, and it has got an air gap. Uh, it's as simple as that. So you've got an inlet, which is higher than the maximum uh, allowed or maximum uh, possible level of the liquid inside of the tank. So the inlet to the tank is never, ever going to come into contact with the actual liquid in the tank itself because you've got an overflow situation happening. Mm. So that's a brake tank with an air gap. Then you get air gap, an air gap itself. And if I can just uh, put it in simple terms, it's that gap which is between the outlet of your basin tap, so where your tap uh, uh, puts water into the basin, mm -hmm. and that vertical distance between that tap and the top of the basin is your air gap. Oh. Think of opening opening a basin and plugging off all the overflows. I mean, you've got a face cloth in there, blocks off, and the, the basin starts to overflow. Mm. It will never, well, some it might, but in most basins, it will never ever reach the spout and submerge that spout. So you will never have any of that contaminated water in the basin being able to um, jump up 
and find its way into the spout. So that air gap is a failsafe. Uh-huh. It is cons- it's, yeah, it's considered a very uh, effective and zero um, maintenance <laughs> sort, of a, sort of a backflow preventer. Then we start looking at valves like dual check valves. Now, dual check valve is, is two non-return valves in a single body that is testable. And here's the key. It's not just taking two non-return valves, plumbing them next to one another. That is not a dual check valve. This is a, this is a, 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 a pre-manufactured uh, dual check valve, and it is testable. There are little uh, testing ports on it that you can um, open and close and, put and, and check pressures and so on to be able to determine whether the thing is still functioning correctly. So a dual check valve. And then you get to RPZ, which is a reduced pressure zone backflow preventer. It's exactly the same as a dual uh, check valve, but it is, it's got an additional feature that in, in the event that something goes wrong, um, you have a discharge from there and it immediately becomes apparent. And it's a, it's a, it's a very, very solid backflow preventer. So it's, it's, it's an expensive monster, especially when you look at bigger sizes. But RPZ is um, usually what, for example, the city of Cape Town would require in a domestic situation if you have got any kind of non-potable water like tank water or groundwater uh, anywhere close to, to, to your potable supply. You need to put an RPZ valve in there. And that's about six or seven grand just for the smaller ones. Hmm. Um, yeah. And then uh, just to say that the, the brake tanks and air gaps, as simple as they might seem and sound, they are suitable for high risk uh, uh, situations. They are fail-safe that you cannot, you can't, water is not going to jump up and, and uh, across 200 millimeters of, of air and, <laughs> and force its way into a pipe. So that is, those are fail-safe. In, this, in their simplicity, they are, they are, they are fail-safe uh, systems there as well. Richard, so, so we, we, we spoke, you know, it's something that stood out for me was the RPZ. And the fact that you mentioned that, especially in Cape Town, this is a requirement from from uh, the municipality, from government, to say it needs to be installed in certain. Uh, you said, am I correct to say, it was residential situations? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, so yeah. this comes back to as a layperson, I want to ask again. So, I know from previous conversations that we had, it, but, but plumbing aspects need to comply with the requirements of national standards. So I would think to myself, okay, when it comes to backflow pre- prevention, then certainly there should be a standard and that that standard should be applied, you know, throughout nationwide, nationally throughout yeah. the, the country. And then you mentioned, okay, but especially in Cape Town, then this is, you know, this thing would be required. Now, hence this following question, how would a plumber know um, when to apply what in which circumstances? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's it's a good question and 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 it's a valid one. You you, you see, it, it it does come down. There are there are national standards. So 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 perhaps let's just touch on the difference between national standards and um and local authority. So national standards will give you a, a minimum requirement, uh, with emphasis on the word minimum. It is not the Rolls Royce of installations. Mm. It is an absolute bare minimum requirement that you adhere to the national regulations. A local authority can then come along and say, that's fine. 
But for us, we would prefer if you do belts and braces. And so here is an additional requirement over and above what uh-huh. the national standards require. Mm-hmm. And for if you're in our municipality, this is what you, you must employ. So that's what happened there. In the case with the RPZ and, and Cape Town, the, the, and I was actually part of that whole crisis, uh, sort of, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but we consulted quite extensively with the city when we were running short of water and day zero was looming a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I that. And yes, it was a scary thing. And I mean, you know, anyway, um, they consulted the plumbing industry, which is absolute hats off to them. And, and, and we discussed, you know, backflow prevention methods because so many people were starting to install uh, groundwater tanks or rainwater tanks. And they, in their ignorance, um, thought that, oh, well, I'll just put a pump here and I'll just put a T-piece here and put it in and I'll supply my toilet. In the meantime, what they're doing is they're not only endangering their health, but they're endangering the health of their neighbors as well mm-hmm. and their whole street, you know. <laughs> so so this, is, uh, this is where the need and the, the realization came that, that they really needed to um, insist that proper backflow prevention be installed. So that was an over and above. To answer your question, Willem, the plumber must know. He's got to do his due diligence and um, find out from the local authority what the requirements are. He first of all needs to know what the standard says. That is a not non-negotiable. But he also needs to know whether or not the local authority requires something over and above that, as I've just described. So yeah. the, the plumber, unfortunately, has got to go and do his homework and the homeowner as well, yeah. or the property owner as well. So the onus is on them. Um, that's how they know. And unfortunately, nobody's going to come you know, deliver a letter and uh, to you and say, uh, Mr. Plumber, this is what you know. You've got to go and find it yourself. Before we continue with our conversation, have a listen to this. Plumber training has never been easier with articulated plumber courses. Enroll now to upskill yourself at your own pace and earn CPD points. Our informative and easy-to-follow courses can be found on iopsitraining.co.za. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Articulated Plumber. This year, various role players in the plumbing industry will gather once more for an ultimate boxing showdown. And it's all in the name of charity. Yes, the plumbing industry is gearing up for this year's Champions for Charity boxing match. This white-collar boxing event will ultimately see various average Joes step into the ring and give boxing a bash. If you want to find out more about sponsorships or want to get involved, please email c4c at prrb.co.za for more. Okay, Richard, so now, um, you know, as a layperson, please help me to understand uh, some common circumstances in a, in a domestic setting that could or could result in, in hazardous backflow. Uh, this, is not, this is not something that we as lay people actually think of every day. Mm. Yeah, and I th- um, as I mentioned, I think near the beginning of this podcast film, uh, it's all very good and well explaining what backflow is and, and, and how to prevent it and what the different valves are. But if you don't, if you don't realize how it occurs, which is the, which is really and truly the crux of the matter to me, it's the, it's the, this, this, this is kind of the, the key moment in this podcast, if I, and, and I do, I do uh, other training materials, and, and and one of the things I do training on is is heat pumps, and there's a key 
module in the heat pumps where I know the penny drops at that particular second. And I just, mm. you can feel it in your bones. And I think, I think this is an, an important concept to, to, to get. So let's have a look at some common circumstances, things that you would overlook. And when once you realize that you say, oh, my word, okay, I get it now. So let's just look at creating how does, how, okay, let me, let me just start from the top. In order for a liquid to enter into a pipe, let's say there's a liquid, I've got a pipe and it is submerged in a liquid and there's a hole in that pipe. But this pipe is under pressure because we all know that pipes are pressurized. Mm. So there's no ways that the contaminated water outside is going to enter into that pipe. It's impossible because it's, it's, there's, there's a pressure differentiation, right? There's a mm. pressure difference. How it, so, so how is it that pipes or systems are able to become contaminated? Well, Simply put, you have to have a reverse, a reversal of the roles in terms of pressure. You have to have a low pressure in the potable system and a high pressure in the non-potable system for it to infiltrate. Okay. Does that make sense? Like so this. you have to have. So you have to have what we call a negative pressure situation. In some circumstances, it can be negative pressure. In other circumstances, which we'll get to, it can just be um, different. Pressures. Anyway, so let's just talk about negative pressure. How do we create, how does a circumstance of negative pressure um, uh, manifest in a system? So consider a house on a hill. Um, here I am on top of the hill um, and 100 meters down my road, down the hill, they have a big burst pipe uh, in the main supply and the water is shut off. Now there's a 100 meters of, of pipe, which, is, which has got water in it, uh, which has now got a breach. There is no more water uh, flowing into the pipe because the municipality has switched that water supply off. So now that water that is now lying at an angle in that pipe uh, downhill is going to want to flow out. Mm, but it's, it's, got to, it's got to suck something. So as soon as it starts flowing backwards, you've got a, a very prominent negative pressure. You've actually got a suction at your house. Okay. So now, so, so let's just box that and put that concept and let's just assume that, the, that a circumstance of negative pressure can manifest. So I'm not going to go and visit that again. We've accepted that, that we've got um, uh, time periods of negative pressure. And that, of course, can happen in many different ways. But let's just, that's one scenario. So you've got to just accept that negative pressure exists. Okay. Now, I'm watering my garden. I've got two big dogs in my garden. I'm watering my garden, and all of a sudden, there's no water because of that burst pipe. So I'll <laughs> drop the hose pipe yeah. on the grass. And now I'm going to check now where, what's happening. Remember, I've said that you've got a suction here. But I've dropped that point of that hose pipe in the puddle that I've just made, which uh -huh. happens to have two big Two big dog feces, feces in it. Yeah. Now, now, now the whole system is sucking. Now I suck that that puddle up, and off it goes down the street, four, five, six houses down. There it is. There it sits. I've got two big dog feces in the main municipal supply, mm. just from watering my garden. Think of that, fella. It, you know what? As a layperson, <laughs> I would never have thought of that. I, I would exactly. never have thought that, you know, the, the, 
there's a suction that results when when your water flows back down the angle that it is or the or, you know the the gradient yep. that it is in. Never, I wouldn't have thought that. And and the fact that well, you now you drop your hose pipe into a puddle, it, it, mm-hmm. you know, never. That would never have crossed or, my mind. Or a swimming pool, mm. right? Or at a car wash, right? With all the oils and and mm. and fuels. Or at an abattoir. Think yeah. of that. Yeah. Or at a mortuary. Think of that. Now, the mortuary and an abattoir, you've got these uh, these channels where you you wash all the blood and guts and everything away. And uh, you've got hose pipes that do that job. So mm. now you've got a hose which is lying in a channel and you've got a negative pressure situation. And you're, you are situated in a residential area if you're a, if you're a mortuary. Maybe you've mm. got a residential area right next door to you. And that has actually happened. It's happened where, where, where contaminated water from a mortuary, from a negative pressure, pressure situation has made people sick. And it was traced yeah. to a mortuary without proper backflow prevention. Now, we're talking, we're talking um, deceased people that, yeah. that, that, that is in my pipes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I, really don't, I really don't mean to, to sound gross or anything, but this is the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And this is where it starts to, as I said, the penny drops. This is where you start to realize the gravity of the situation and the importance of backflow prevention. Mm-hmm. Think of, now, here's another situation. Uh, a bathtub, right? An old bathtub. You've heard of a Nicky spout, Willem. Do you know what a Nicky spout is? I haven't, no. Okay, so it's it's the nice modern way of allowing water into the bath. It's a bath filler, but it, it sits in the bath. You've got this, oh, yeah. you open the tap and water comes out the, with this, what we call a Nikki spout. So it's below the level of the, it's not a tap which sits above the bath. It's in the bath, hmm. right? And, so and, now and, you'd fill and, the bath and like up. you said, it's below that, uh, that, that uh, egg, egg, what do you call it? The egg. Donkey. Yeah. Yes, the egg gap. Donkey. Egg gap. Yes. So, so most of those Nikki spouts incorporate overflows, um, but the, the, the so the argument often is, oh, but the water will over. No, it doesn't. So the overflow can be blocked or, or disconnected or whatever the case may be. The fact is that that is below the overflow level of the bath, and the the law says it shall not be. Anyway, it is now. So now you fill the bath up. Uh, You've, you, 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 you know, you've got two kids in there. Uh, they urinate in there. They, mm. they, they, you know, whatever. Go figure. You're washing your dog mm. in there maybe, and you've got a negative flow, backflow. You've got a negative pressure situation. Whatever's in that bathtub goes, is now, becomes your neighbor's drinking water. Mm. And it's as blunt as that. And, and also your neighbor is doing the same to you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm I'm, I'm cringing as far exactly. as I listen to this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so here's the bottom line, Willem, and and there's many such there's many such instances, and we can talk about storage tanks. We can talk about think about, for example, uh, storage tanks where that have been used to capture rainwater. Now, what happens on a roof? How many birds go and defecate mm. on a roof? Yeah. Dead lizards, uh, insects, uh, whatever you want, you, you care to mention. That's on your roof. Now it washes down your gutters into a tank. And some people have put a pump on there and teed it into <laughs> to their water supply. Yeah. I mean, come on, you know? So, so and, and here's where the second um, uh, scenario comes into play. We've spoken about negative pressure situations that creates an actual suction. But what about pressurized 
non-potable water sources, such as tanks with pumps, mm-hmm. which is a common thing. And because the lay, uh, the Mrs. Jones and Mr. Jones doesn't quite know how to deal with this, they, they simply put a T-piece into their system at an arbitrary position and with a tap. They say, oh, no, no, whenever we switch this on, we switch this off and that's fine. But things go wrong and things just have a habit of going wrong. Now, one day somebody is looking after your house and doesn't do this or doesn't do that. And not only is it against the law, you cannot do those, make those connections, but you will place somebody in danger. I'm telling you, do not think that you can go and drink a glass of rainwater fresh off a roof and think you're going to be hunky-dory. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of stuff in there. It's not safe. And if you are um, doing connections like that, making connections like that, you are not only placing yourself at risk, but your neighbors at risk mm-hmm. and the entire, entire street at risk. And, and that's, the, that's, that's a reality. That's the truth of it. So hence the gravity of backflow prevention. And they really and truly are, many instances where, where it's just not considered at all, not in place. And um, uh, you said you said it just now, you're cringing. I'm also cringing. I'm wondering, you know, <laughs> which of my neighbors, you know, <gasps> we, <laughs> and we have burst pipes in my street often. <laughs> oh, and, and in mine, in my yeah. neighborhood. Oh, my word. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> How's it? <laughs> yeah, Listen, so that's Richard. it. Eh? I mean, that's it. You know, the more we have these conversations and these technical podcasts, um, the more I, as a layperson, come to realize how interested and complex plumbing work actually is and how we as society and civilization actually depend, the level and the extent of how we depend on, on plumbers because they are the guys who know about these things. We, I would never have thought about these things, never. I don't understand it until I have a conversation like this with you. Just before wrapping up this conversation, have a listen to this. We'd like to encourage our audience to follow Articulated Plumber on Instagram and Facebook to learn more about any exciting and interesting news that we may have. Our handle on both Instagram and Facebook is Articulated Plumber. Richard. I want to again thank you for this value and for valuable information or shall I say invaluable information that you shared um, Richard I do believe that it's going to carry great value especially you know not only to the plumbers and the installers but also to yeah. to you know the consumers who maybe listen to it absolute pleasure Willem perfect man and then lastly thanks a stack to the audience we will have another conversation with you again soon thanks for having tuned in Make sure to read more about the PIRB on our website at pirb.co.za and on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.